0: Welcome to Story Chats at InSpi Romance. I'm Elizabeth Madry, and I'm here with my two co-hosts. I'm Narelle Atkins.
1: And I'm Valerie Comer.
0: We've got J.C. Weaver back with us again today. And um, because J.C. has been with us a couple times, I'm not going to read her bio. So uh, <laughs> we will link to her website, and you can go read her bio there if you want to. Um, mostly, you just need to know that she's cool, and we're glad she's here with us today. So thank you for joining us, J.C. Thanks. I'm really glad to be here. So, all right. Today we are talking about including mental health issues in CCR. So that's kind of um, it's kind of a crazy topic. Um, to to be weird, um, but um, it, it's not something that just like leaps out. Like, let's do a podcast about that. And it actually was. JC's idea, which I think it's a fabulous one, and I was super glad she came up with it, but why don't you tell us a little bit about why it was your idea?
2: Well, um, when you put the call out to just come up with some topics, immediately I started looking into when mental health month was, and it just happens to be the month of May. Um, Mental health is something that's very, very near and dear to my heart. Um, It just has such a broad spectrum of importance in our daily lives, in ministry in every single aspect of our human existence and so of course why shouldn't we also discuss that in fiction
0: yeah yeah that's perfect I love it um yeah no so I guess um our first question ought to be then um and JC JC already apparently gave us her opinion that it is important (laughs) um I only have a little one that's okay (laughs) um should see C- CCR in particular should CCR have characters with mental health issues? Um, why or why not? you know what do you, what are your feelings on that? And um, let's let's go to Valerie first.
1: Well the technically correct answer is of course we should <laughs> right I mean otherwise we wouldn't be here having this conversation right <laughs> Probably. Um, because we we do want to have, stories that are representative of a wide range of people Mm -hmm. it's still a really hard one so i don't know if you want me to go there or not Mm -hmm. Um, but we we want heroes and heroines that people can identify with and so there are a lot of people who struggle in this area and so for them in particular it's important to see characters doing the battle that.
0: Narelle, what about you? What do you think?
3: I say definitely yes, because um, my mum has bipolar. So I grew up with a mum that would would have a psychotic episode and end up in hospital at different times, particularly when I was a teenager. And there was such a stigma in the church in terms of the way people treated her, in terms of the way I was treated because my mother would go a bit crazy at different times as well. And I will often say to people I do have a bit of PTSD from in terms of attending church because my mother would often um, have very interesting behaviours during a church service mm-hmm. and around church events and stuff. So for people like me, it's a very um, tricky topic and it's also a topic that needs to be handled with sensitivity as well Um, but to break down the stigmas if you don't talk about things the stigmas just don't break down and um, if we're not if we aren't including characters with mental health issues in our books then it's like it's invisible and doesn't exist so I don't I wouldn't say every book needs to include it (laughs) <laughs> that I think it's important that there are some books that are published in CCR and also Christian fiction and fiction in general that actually um, touches on the topic of mental illness and does it in a way that's sensitive, particularly because there could be a reader who has a mental illness themselves who's reading a book um or they could be a family member and if it's not done in a way that's accurate and real to life I think it could be very offensive as well to read certain stories so it's tricky but important all
2: right jacy oh I completely 100% agree um yeah I mean even Even with just simple anxiety and depression, which you're learning are so much more common than, you know, anyone previously wanted to acknowledge or admit. And so there's still so much of a stigma, I think, about people seeking help and acknowledging that there's an issue or, you know, just feeling like they can say, hey, I struggle with this. And to another person, particularly within the church, like you said, Narelle, I think it's so important that have that opportunity to connect with one another and if people don't feel they can connect to one another then they're not as likely to help for the problem and then that doesn't that doesn't do any good for anybody so i think if we cover that topic in christian fiction then we are providing an opportunity not only for like you said readers to connect with something that hey i might be going through this or i have a loved one that's going through this with sensitivity with realism um, I think it also helps to kind of break that veil of the the mask of perfectionism that's that so easily put on for church. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I think it's really important that we go ahead and just rip that yeah. stuff off. Yeah, so I
3: I actually asked my mum, I had a conversation with her last week because I knew this topic was coming up about um, her experiences at church because I see things from when I was a kid and a teenager but for her it's a different perspective and she was talking, she was very fortunate and very blessed to have some beautiful friends who were very supportive of her. So there were some people that had some very interesting reactions but we were also blessed to have a lot of people who did support and and help our family and the challenges that we faced and she was talking about one of her friends and says well well how do I treat you because you you have this illness and my mom's like you treat me like you treat anybody else like just treat me like normal (laughs) that I mean it's it's just really interesting how it's kind of like Pete it's The perceptions that people used to have is like, well, you're a different category of person or I don't know whether it's a lesser person or I just can't relate to that. And I'm thankful this is we're going back 40 years when I'm talking about my mum having this conversation. And I'd hope now that in a church environment that um, people would just accept a mental illness in the same way they accept a physical illness or a disability and it wouldn't be such a difficult or touchy topic if that makes sense.
0: Yeah, that, that would be ideal. I don't think that for the majority of the church that it is the case um, even still today, but that certainly is, is what I would love to see. I agree. Yeah. Um, I love the idea of this being in CCR in particular versus women's fiction or um, just general fiction, because I think so often um, with mental illness, it's easy to get trapped in this feeling that you are not worthy of love. Um, And so in CCR, you can have these characters with with mental struggles, um, find love and recognize that they are deserving of love, not just love from God, but love from other people. Um, Because those are some of the darker battles, I think, especially when you're talking about depression and anxiety those are the ones that feed in in the shadows of your mind. And so Christian contemporary romance has a really unique place where they can attack that and they can say, hey, you know, this is not the truth. Um, This is not the truth of of God's word. um, Any more than you would be undeserving of love because you had chronic fatigue you know you are deserving of love regardless of what what illness you have be that a mental illness or a physical one um so yeah I I love it when I see that in
1: contemporary romance
0: um
1: it tends to then pull um pull a story in a a different direction but I guess that's true no matter what issues that you're putting into the story that helps to define how it's going to play out. So when you're thinking of uh, lighter stories or rom-com, then can it fit into something like that? Or does it kind of require being in a, now we're having a serious story?
0: I think it could go in rom-com because I think so, so often people who struggle with depression are the class clowns. And you would never know Mm -hmm. i mean think of robin williams you know who um who struggled so hard um and, and you know he had other physical maladies happening as well but he was the class clown you know and i think oftentimes the kid with anxiety grows into the adult who comes across as never let anything ruffle them because we're trained when you have a mental illness that you hide it. Um, and so you hide it by becoming the opposite. So yeah, there's there's room and there may be some serious moments, but I think you could stick it in a rom-com yeah. and it could be all the more powerful for it for recognizing that, hey, you know, this person is funny and flippant because they're desperately
2: wounded inside. Well, and. I, to be honest, you don't always want to be so serious. An issue. It's like, you know what I mean? It's like, if we read every story about the military hero who has PTSD and he's an amputee, do we want that story to be filled with all of the difficulties and the nightmares and the issues that he's got? No, we want him to have how he's overcome and how he's still puts on that I'm a family guy, and I have a sense of humor, and I can still work and do all of the things. He's still a whole person. Right. I think we need to treat that, and so if we include characters who have mental illness, even something as unpredictable as bipolar disorder, somebody who's facing that or who has lived in an environment like that, if it's always serious, then... (sighs) it can become a drag and it's just one more thing that you don't want to read because it sucks you into the pit. So right. let's pull a little fun and bring a little light. And and sometimes it's so nice to just escape into, okay, yes, so I'm going to make fun of my anxiety. I'm going to make fun of my depression just a little bit. And it doesn't necessarily mean that you're being insensitive. It's just that you can't always be stuck in the doldrums. You You need to pull yourself out with a little bit of fun and a little bit of light and hope because sometimes just doing that, it just I don't know, it shines a little bit more sunshine in a moment when you need it. I like that. I like that answer. Thank you. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, and I
3: think we really need to move beyond the stereotypes. I mean, there's a lot of, as you talked about, the stereotypes with the, um, the veteran with PTSD or the amputee. In mental illness, I think there's some stereotypes that aren't necessarily reflective of the wide variety of mental illnesses. Depression will manifest in very different ways in different people depending on a whole bunch of factors. So there's a lot of room, I think, to actually be a bit more focused in the way a character's developed and really looking at their backstory and their experiences and and what's happening so that it's it's not an an insensitive stereotype for want of a better word yeah as well
0: yep do you think that um the characters need to be the main characters or is having a side character enough representation or a mixture thereof or what do you think should should there be like the main heroine struggling with suicidal ideation you know is is that something that can can work or should that just be the side character what do we think
3: I think it's hard. Um, (laughs) um, I'll I'll go. I'll go first. I think it's hard for a couple of reasons. So with depression, um, one of the common symptoms of depression is not having goals and not wanting to get out of bed a morning, just wanting to dive under the covers and sleep the day away and, and to not do stuff and wanting to stay at home and not going out. And Being more passive rather than active and a main character in a book if they aren't being active and pursuing goals. In the story, it can be very tricky to write that, so I think that's probably one aspect, because it would be a very boring story if the heroine just stayed in bed all day for the whole story, because they're depressed. And that is a reflection of real life. For some people that is their experience. So it depends on how you do it from that sense. And the other um, side of it with a point of view character is there, if someone is um, suffering from bipolar or schizophrenia uh, or has psychotic episodes, they really are an unreliable narrator. And I say that because if my mother was to write her life story and write down about certain periods of time in her life, I would argue the toss and say that that's not true because she doesn't actually remember her psychosis when she's not in a psychosis. Okay. So I think if that's also part of her illness, that may not be other people's experience. So um, it can be tricky, I think as a narrator, um, as a, as a point, point of view character, to actually um, realistically sort of have what's going on in the story is actually reflective of what's really happening. So um, the black cat really isn't evil and um, all the different disorganized thinking that can go with a psychosis would be quite challenging to write. And also if it was done accurately from a point of view, it'd be actually very difficult to follow Mm -hmm. as well. So, and my mum would often she'd we'd have the same conversations I used to talk about it was like a broken record she'd go back into a psychosis and we'd have the same conversations about the same things it was really weird but that was just the way it worked and then she'd have no memory of it so it's it's quite tricky to do that, and it's not impossible. And I'd love to see more authors tackling mental illness and tackling the bipolar and schizophrenia characters, um, as, as minor characters or as main characters. But I do think that there's a lot of unique challenges that would go about creating those characters and um, and having them actually work in a story.
2: Not making the villain. Yeah. Because we find that a lot, especially in like suspense and stuff, it ends up being only the dark gets seen instead of the light. So I think as far as Christian fiction goes, we really, really have a responsibility to um, show that it's, yes, there is heart, darkness, and difficulty, and pain, and a lot of that. But we still have a responsibility to share the hope. And They continually to speak life into not only each other, but into our characters.
1: So how do you do that though in romance? Because there's (laughs) nothing, you know, sexier than a severe case of bipolar, let's say, just as an example.
0: Well, and I I think that's why it's hard and people don't tend to do it um, because it's hard to portray the mental illness properly. It's also, I mean, it's hard to love someone with mental illness and it, it's, it's very hard to love someone with mental illness. And so the kind of person who can love someone with mental illness is not going to necessarily, it's going to be the one that a lot of readers are going to be like, you could do so much better. You don't need to put up with this walk away. She's crazy. Or he's, you know, that's not right. He's crazy. Don't put up with that. And so you miss then the opportunity to show the perseverance of love. Um, and the, the true chasing that really mimics how God pursues us. Um, because in order to love someone who is mentally ill, you must persistently pursue them because I don't know any mental illness even the ones that would make you maybe clingier and seeking that love that won't on a dime flip into pushing you away um would be hard to convince that person that that you're there for keeps yeah and so it it is hard and and I think that is where sometimes when when authors try then you fall into the stereotype in the christian world of well they just need more jesus and then they will be well
3: and Um, that is such a load of rubbish sorry it is
0: is. and it's so frustrating um to see it because you do see it in books um you you either see that the love of a good man will fix you Um, which no person can heal you of your mental illness and make everything right. And then also, you know, by and large, no extra amount of prayer and Bible study is going to heal you. If you're, you know, if you have bipolar or even just depression, I say just, it's not just, I have depression. It's not just depression, but, you know, um, and so I do get sort of passionate about this because, you know, Because this is something that I struggle with on a minute by minute basis in my life most days, right? And um, you know, I could pray twenty four seven; it wouldn't necessarily fix me. Um, And and so, but the church. by and large sees mental illnesses way more we've gotten past like uh the pharisees who said who sinned this man or his parents when they brought the the paralytic in we don't we don't do that for the physical illnesses but we do it for the mental ones
1: Um, yeah
0: yeah and so you see it in books and it's like oh they went to revival and now they're set free
3: which can well, happen, but it's my not- mom my mom used to go to a pentecostal charismatic meeting mm-hmm. and she would be right off as high as a kite ready to go to hospital like mm-hmm. seriously we used to be like please don't go please don't go because it was a trigger yeah. um yeah but my dad's the hero so my parents have been married for over 50 years and my dad has stuck through thick and thin with my mom And so he really is the true romance hero. And what I will say though, is that modern medicine has really taken massive leaps when it comes to treating um, bipolar, schizophrenia and those types of illnesses. And so um, what medications my mum was on in the 1970s and 1980s, um, as she got older, she's become more well because the medications work better. And on the topic of meds, um, the stats in Australia are that most of the population is taking antidepressants. Yeah. So and gladian depression, um, the stats don't lie. The prescription data is there. Like people are taking medication for these things. So it's depression is something that really shouldn't be ignored because it is
2: incredibly common, even if people are hiding it, it's, it's there. And it's true. Yes. And, you know, in the Bible, Paul freely admits that he walked with a thorn in his flesh and he begged God to take it out. He begged God to take it away. And. How many of us are just, we need to reshape the thoughts that mental illness is, It it's just like a physical, like you said, physical ailments, any other thing that we struggle with. And it is just one of those thorns that some of us are gonna have to battle forever. And, you know, no, it's not the same as some of the other thorns that people struggle with. Some people, it's a sin struggle. But we all have a struggle and because a struggle is what makes us, it makes us realize that we need Jesus. Yeah. So. And,
0: and I think you can, I was thinking about this a little bit there, you know, you see examples of things like depression in the Bible. Elijah was depressed. Mm-hmm. He ran away and lived in yeah. a cave. Um, you know, I, I would venture to say that um, Samson probably had some mental illness there toward the end. Um, you know, you can go through King David when he did the whole Bathsheba thing. He, he had some mental illness struggles, you know, you see them because they were real people with real problems. And it's like, if it's there in the scriptures, why would we think it's not part of our lives too? Amen. All right. So now the tricky part, (laughs) do you have CCR that touches on mental illness that you
2: can recommend? Daisy, you want to start? Yeah, I've got a few. Um, one of them was actually the first one that I read that I really, really connected with, and it was Your Handful of Hope. Um, <laughs> oh, scratch that off, my dear. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I finished it, closed the book, and I immediately pulled a Facebook messenger to tell you thank you so much, because, um, you know, you just portrayed it so very, very, very well. And I know it's because it's been a personal issue for yourself. And But it was so injected full of hope that I loved it because it was both accurate and full of life. Um, So that one's obviously one. Um, I just finished reading just. White's Song in the Dark, and I can't really give that one a specific CCR genre, because it's it's a mythology retelling, and it's a romance, and it's a suspense, and it's women's fiction. It's like <laughs> a whole conglomeration of genres, um, in my opinion, because, I mean, it hits all of those essential elements of each genre of what we expect from them, um, and so it's really hard to nail down exactly which one it fits, but um, the heroine, her mother, is just awful. She gaslights her regularly. Um, and the way that the woman has grown up under the mind work, um, it's very accurate. You see her waffling, but you also see her struggling to not waffle. She wants to be strong and she sees the weakness and she can, she's trying, but, but, but I can't. And so I love that, um, you know, the hero is wonderful and he supports her, but he basically is like, here's, here's how I'm just going to give you the tow rope and, and like, you can take it, but you got to kind of do the thing too. So he's not the hero, hero. He's just helping her along and pointing her in the right direction to get help with the mental health clinic and stuff. So I thought that one was really, really well handled. And then my third one is, um. A new release from Sarah Beth Williams called Anchor My Heart mm-hmm. and I just read that one as well and she deals with so much um, in that the hero has uh, not only just lost the love of his life and um, so he's battling tremendous grief uh, but he has a history of panic attacks and anxiety and so you see him literally half the book he is under the funnel cloud and it is so dark and so heavy within him but there's a spark of light and then it's heavy. And then there's another spark of light and then it's heavy. And I think the romance in that was so beautifully handled because she comes alongside just to be his friend, first and foremost, not expecting there to be anything more. And it really um, goes into the intimacy that develops when you are vulnerable to another human being. And that's what I really loved about that is just the way that it was also The vulnerability for one, but then on the same token, they both had to kind of spend some time apart and realize, I can't fix you and I can't fix you. So who do we need to go to Jesus? And then, you know, they're kind of walking through it all, but it's never, oh, I'm instantly cured. It's we're going to have to handle this battle. It's going to go on, but I'm here for the long haul. And so I really liked the way that that was handled as well. Love it.
3: Narelle? Well, I have, I only have two and I I will admit because of um, my family situation and my sister also has bipolar. So um, if I'll often, if there's a lot of stuff happening in my family, I really don't want to necessarily read about mental illness. So I probably don't necessarily go looking for books. Um, But the first one was already mentioned, A Handful of Hope. I really love that story. I really was very invested in Jen and, and seeing her being able to, overcome the depression that was just such a battle. And I thought that was just depicted so true to life. Um, and David was just amazing. He just he reminded me of my dad. He he was just he just kept going. He knew that that was um, that she was the woman for him, and he just so gently pursued her, and I just loved it. Um, now I will confess, I didn't actually read the next book in the series because I could not stand Sarah. I got so angry when Sarah did what she did in that book. It made me so cranky that I actually I because I read it ages ago, and then I'd forgotten I hadn't read the last book, and then I reread the uh, a handful of recently, and I'm still cranky with her. <laughs> Because it just epitomises the selfish insensitivity of people because I thought you should know better. You should know not to do that. Like, this is just so mean what you've done. So anyway, I will get over this eventually. (laughs) So I got very invested in your story. So that's the first one. And the second one is it's not CCR, but it has a romance element in the story. And it's um, a brand new release in May. And it's Under the Magnolias by... um, T.I. Low. so um, it's a coming-of-age story set in the 1980s and the character would be a couple of years older than me and it was really quite an insightful read for me because she lost her mum when she was only I think 11 or 12 very young mum died in childbirth and so she has a number of siblings and she's not the eldest but she ends up becoming the eldest in the family for various reasons and taking on that role. And they live on a tobacco farm in South Carolina and her father has what is later revealed to be bipolar. And he has this little church that meets on the tobacco farm where they live and all sorts of odd and interesting characters um, attend their church. And it goes, it spans a number of years and it goes through um, Austin's journey with her father and coping with his um, changing mental state at different times and the support she had around her. And I think if anyone was to ask me, what was your childhood like? I would direct them to read that book because that would give you a bit of an insight because I could really relate to Austin and, and the struggles and the challenges. and. Um, finding it really hard to trust people and running, being very independent because you had to depend on yourself because you didn't have necessarily parents that were there when you needed something. I mean, I lived with my grandparents a couple of times in my teenage years as well because I couldn't live at home for various reasons. So I risk, yeah, it's a brilliant story under the Magnolias. And if you want to learn about mental illness, um, go read that book.
1: Valerie. As we were talking, um, a book came to mind that isn't in my notes, so I don't have all the details, but uh, Janet W. Ferguson's mm-hmm. Leaving Oxford, the yeah. heroine in that story has severe anxiety, which uh, um, she can't leave town. Basically, she's, so long as she's in her little bubble, she's kind of okay, sort of, mostly under control, but she cannot leave Oxford. And so that was, um, and I don't remember her name because I didn't write, I didn't write it in my notes. But uh, I do remember reading that and and just kind of going, that's really interesting. It's not um, an area of life that I have experience with, and, and it was very believable as far as just see, I mean, I, I've heard of this kind of thing before, right? So it was it was insightful and a teaching moment, I guess, to to see what kind of goes on in that that mind as as to how what the panic looks like and how how you can you know potentially overcome it. And then the the second book that I could mention would be Irene Hannon Hope Harbor. I enjoyed that that whole series and this is the first book and the hero in this one is on the verge of a nervous breakdown. So it's, again, it's maybe not a um, mental illness in the same way as something that you're, you know, is deep in your personality from childhood, but there's a whole gamut, right? And so this guy is really, uh, really struggling and he takes leaves Chicago goes on this vacation to the Oregon coast and, um, meets a cranberry farmer but he it just goes through what what his his mental process is dealing with the mental breakdown and and how he can learn to cope and and um, get through this stage of his life so I just
2: mentioned those two
1: excellent I
0: um I really struggled (laughs) with this, because I feel like I run into the books where um, they get more Jesus and then they're fine. And so um, the, the, the one that I wrote down was can't help falling by Kara Isaac. And I wouldn't say that anyone would necessarily look at that book and decide that it had anything to do with mental illness, but the girl sits in wardrobes and that is mental illness. She, she has, some mental illness that she's dealing with because she, when she gets overwhelmed, she crawls into a wardrobe and pretends that she's not there. Um, And, and it, it never really resolves, which, I mean, I think it was intended to be sort of light and funny and quirky and a nod to Narnia. But when I look at that, I'm like, this girl needs help. Um, And really by the end of the book, she gets help through the guy and more Jesus and, so it it was a letdown I love the book but from the mental illness standpoint I find it a little bit of a letdown but um I really struggled to to find books um that I would say that I recommended wholeheartedly because of their dealing with mental illness
3: Um, I'd agree with that with kind Help Falling*, that's my favorite Kara Isaac book but it's yeah. It's, I think, I don't know. I don't, to be honest, could she have actually addressed the mental illness in the story and not lost the essence of what the story was about? I think that's just a really interesting question.
0: Yeah. Maybe a question
3: know. for Cara one <laughs> <Yeah>. day.
0: <laughs> it would be, it would be for sure. Mm.
3: Um,
0: so, uh, you know, I, it's more, I'd love to see more. Um, I'd love to see it just be, I mean, honestly, when I think about my characters in, 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 Books beyond handful of hope. I would say that probably sixty percent of them have some element of depression that they're struggling with, just because it it is part of my world, um, and it's part of my extended family too. You know, there's there's depression and anxiety and other mental health diagnoses in in just about everybody I'm related to. Um, and so, but that's normal, you know. And I yeah. think it's probably more normal than people want to necessarily admit. So, um, you know, my characters aren't always happy and fun all the time, but sometimes they
3: are. <laughs> and i think you sometimes see mental illness because often mental illness isn't just something in isolation there can often be addictions and and mm-hmm. other issues going on around it as well so sometimes it might be a story of a character that's struggling with addiction but that may be a self-medicating um activity so they're feeling a bit high so they drink alcohol because that will pull them down a bit and there's a lot of those there's a lot of people that but there are characters who i think have what I'd call an undiagnosed mental illness yeah. and that's very reflective of real life I think that's also very true as well so it, there's just so many so much light and shade and there's so much scope to really explore so many different aspects of this topic in books
1: and then there's PTSD yes which which manifests that way too um, from a specific trigger mm-hmm. so yeah it's there's a there's a you see more of that I think in, um, but it is still definitely part of the, the mental illness. I think it's
3: it's
0: more, it's more okay to have PTSD because that generally is caused by something external. Yeah. Whereas people see depression and anxiety as an internal problem. Right. Like if you just had the joy of the Lord, you would not be depressed because you would have joy. Or, you know, if you would just rely on God as your strength, you would not be anxious about things the Bible says, be anxious for nothing, you know? And so, you know, these are the things people have said my whole life, right? And it's super helpful, super not helpful, <laughs> super not helpful. <laughs> yes. not helpful.
2: So, uh, those
3: <laughs> and I think what's really sad is that the way that some churches and not all churches are like this, but the churches that, um, I mean, I have been told that I shouldn't see a a health professional who's not a Christian. And I'm like, seriously? They have a a medical degree or are qualified. Why does that have to make a difference? So I think there's a lot of people that have that sort of mindset, which I think can be very unhelpful. And then because people are like, well, just snap out of it or you're not praying enough or whatever, um, all that does is drive people away from church. And so there's a whole lot of really hurting people that, believers that have faith and they're just not getting looked after because of these um what i would say i would call them as unbiblical attitudes um jesus told us to love everybody didn't say to love everyone as long as they don't have depression or anxiety or bipolar it's a a, love everybody basically
0: if if that's not the advice you'd give if they were bleeding out their eyeball that's not the advice you
1: should give amen (laughs) (laughs) Yes. (laughs)
2: Yeah, <laughs> <amazing>, interesting discussion. <laughs> but it is a perfect perspective and it's very real because, I mean, huh, how many people do we push away out of the church and out of just out of an opportunity for finding the source of hope and sustainment just simply because we as believers, as a capital C church, have our heads in our rears when it comes to dealing with each other. (laughs) I mean, (laughs) it's, it's ignorance. That's really what it boils down to. And so we have to educate ourselves on what is, you know, I can't remember the exact quotation from the exact order of the words of scripture, but you know, we're supposed to think about what is good and what is pure and what is lovely and what is light, but how can we help each other do those things if we don't do the research and if we don't understand what somebody is actually thinking, you know, how do we take captive every thought and make it obedient to the mind of Christ? If we don't know what, um, you know, what somebody is actually thinking, um, instead of just assuming the thoughts, we need to take that time and, okay, how do I understand what they might be thinking, what they might be going through so that I can come alongside them and help them take those thoughts captive, you know? And Ah, oh, yeah. You can't tell I'm a little bit passionate about this. We, we
1: can't tell at all, though.
0: No. no, it's good. We need, we need about a million more of you to continue being passionate about this. I think Narelle lost her audio. <laughs> Oops. She's working on her earbuds, but okay. um. All right, but I think we're probably over. Um, so we should <laughs> we should wrap up. Um, and we probably, I think, have, have hit final thoughts well enough. Um, unless, Valerie, did you have any? You no, know? I'm good. Okay. It's and Norella has lost, lost her ability to hear us. So um, so we'll just not go there. And we'll close out. JC, thank you for coming up with the topic and um, for joining us. And it's been a really good discussion, I think. I hope that everyone else enjoyed it um tell us like what's your next book JC and where can we find you
2: oh goodness (laughs) so um I only have two that are in the process right of coming out you know on the market right now um so (laughs) I say only two but that's you know you know how it goes so yeah um uh-oh in May, I will have with a few of our other romance authors, um, we are going to be sending out another set of fairy tale retellings with Once Upon a Summer. So I'm really excited about that one. Um, and then we also have, um, uh, there's a collection coming out in September called Save the Date. It's a wedding anthology. And in that one, my story, Braver With You, my heroine actually deals a lot with um, some mental health stuff with a controlling mother and a whole bunch of other
0: so
2: look <laughs> which, for that. um yeah.
0: which fairy tale did you retell
2: in once upon a summer <laughs> i uh, did the frog prince and let me tell you grim did not give us very much to work with on that one so <laughs> there's a there's a whole lot of creative twisting on that guy <laughs> excellent
0: excellent all right well that'll be fun we'll look forward to those um, thank you, everyone, for joining us today at Story Chats. You can find everything you need to know about the podcast at inspiromance.com slash If you're watching on YouTube, please don't forget to subscribe and hit that little notification bell so you never miss an episode. And in the meantime, uh, we'll see you next week, but don't forget to fall in love with a good book. Bye, everybody.
1: I'm waiting a second to see if Narelle is here. Doesn't sound like it. So it was great to uh, talk to everyone. <laughs> see you next week.
2: Bye. Bye. I'm finally back. (laughs) (laughs) Just in time to say goodbye. Just in time. (laughs)